in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hey, welcome to the CEO Rater Podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. If you like this podcast, leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for others to find us. Ford was in the news last night. So we have some autonomous news. So this bleeds over, obviously, into Uberland, Lyft, Waymo. Frankly, everybody's playing in the autonomous space as, as far as the major auto OEMs are concerned. So Ford is rolling out in Miami-Dade County a, a autonomous delivery service. They're going to be delivering Domino's Pizza and making food deliveries for Postmates. And it's kind of interesting, the approach. So Ford, through their cruise automation acquisition, has vehicles on the road. I'd say they're probably number two in the autonomous space behind Waymo, who's leading the the space in terms of vehicle miles traveled, technology, so on and so forth. So Ford's approach is going to be interesting in that what they're doing, despite the fact that the autonomous technology is ready, what they first want to do is gauge how customers will interact with an autonomous vehicle. Because if you think about a delivery with an autonomous platform, the consumer is going to be interacting with Let's call it a robot, whether it's an autonomous vehicle or a drone that's delivering packages, the Amazon's drone program, whatever the case may be, let's call them them robots. Ford wants to gauge how humans will interact with, with robots. So what they're doing with this test program with Domino's and with Postmates is they're going to dress up Ford automobiles so that they look like autonomous automobiles. So they'll have the cameras and you know the LiDAR package and so on and so forth. But yet they're going to have a human in the car. And what they want to do is see how people, consumers, interact with the vehicle, given that it's going to be a, a new experience, which is, I, I have mixed feelings about it. So I, I get why you'd want to see how consumers are going to interact. The more you learn, the more efficient you can make the, 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 the process. So for example, car pulls up to deliver your pizza. You have to go out and get the pizza. Obviously, the, the robot's not going to deliver in this case, the car is not going to deliver the pizza to the door. So they want to be able to record that experience. But what's going to be interesting is now people are going to be aware of what Ford's doing. So they're probably going to read in the paper, read online, so on and so forth, that Ford is rolling out this pilot program with autonomous cars that aren't truly autonomous. You're going to have a driver in the car. And so it sort of creates this hybrid experience, if you will, no pun intended. And therefore, to the extent consumers have you know various reactions, how can you tease out which of those reactions are a function of the elements of the experience that will be true when it is a fully autonomous experience versus elements of the consumer experience that may be a function of the fact that you have sort of this hybrid experience with a mock-up autonomous car with a human in it recording interactions. Do you, you get what I'm saying? So if, if you can imagine yourself as a, as a consumer and you're walking out to this to this vehicle that's dressed up to look like an autonomous vehicle but really isn't, the whole thing seems a bit bizarre. And so... To the extent your reaction and little elements, little micro elements of your reaction, you have some confusion, you're a bit puzzled, so on and so forth. How do you as Ford ingest that intelligence? Garbage in, garbage out. Would it be better if, if Ford actually just rolled out an autonomous vehicle, fully autonomous, pilot service, never mind Miami-Dade County, limit it to you know the, the, the busiest two, three, half dozen of the busiest city blocks in Miami. So really a micro experiment with fully autonomous cars loaded with cameras. On the inside, cameras separate from the LiDAR system so that you can record every little element of the interaction with the consumer through through cameras and position those cameras in such a way, use micro cameras so that the consumer doesn't even doesn't even know they're there so that so that the experience isn't at all odd, bizarre, so that you get a true customer reaction. So I, I think that Ford, the way they're approaching this, this limited rollout, this experiment is that they've polluted the experiment with their approach. Anyway, I still, my belief is that Waymo, Cruise Automation slash Ford 
uh, just going to mop up the floor with uh, with uh, Uber and Lyft. Now, Lyft is in, in partnership with Didi and with Apple, and, and, and maybe you know the end game for Lyft is they get acquired by Didi or Apple. I, I don't know what the end game is for, for, for Uber. It, it should be sell the company, and maybe that is the end game. Maybe all this talk about IPO is just... You know, as I said in an earlier podcast, maybe they truly are going to run a dual process. Maybe the intention is to run an IPO. Uh, rather, the, the, the intention is really to sell the company. And if at any point in time, uh, post-filing an S1, I don't know if there's been any talk. I haven't seen any talk about an S1 being filed. But maybe once the S1 is filed, um, they just sort of take the first the first offer, have a small negotiation, and just and be done with the whole thing. Because one thing's for sure, SoftBank doesn't have the operational chops to acquire the company in totality. SoftBank would have to do it with an operating partner. And it gets back to my hypothesis that if you're an operator, why would you want Why would you want Uber in the first place? That's enough on Uber. Amazon was in the news. So Amazon acquired Ring, the uh, sort of video doorbell home security system. And so they just continue, Amazon just continues to layer technology onto their to their platform. So if you think about this offering, it's just... It's another offering that can help feed their cloud service because all of this, you know, if you remember a number of podcasts ago, I think back in October, we talked about Amazon Key once or twice. All of these services that deliver to what I call the last mile, where you have uh, service people, contractors coming into a residence, coming into the home or delivering packages and stopping at the, at, at the front door. To the extent any of those experiences generate data, bits and bytes, more often than not, that, that data is either going to be recorded by uh, a camera or Alexa or both. And all that data informs Amazon's algorithms and that data ultimately gets stored in Amazon's cloud. And so the trove of intelligence just continues to, to grow the more data that's onboarded to, to the platform. And so it probably makes sense, uh, just thinking sort of top of, off the top of my head, it, it feels like Amazon is surpass Google in the home. Right? I mean, Google has Next. They sort of spun it back out. Um, and then Google has Google Home. But Amazon with its key service, I feel like that's going to be the, the, the critical element. If you remember with, with key, Amazon allows people to enter your home or enter your residence if they're carrying a basically a, a barcode on their phone. They hold it up to a, a camera their identity is confirmed and they're able to access the home. And there was a little bit of blowback when Amazon first rolled that out. Consumers said, oh, I'm not going to let some random stranger just come into my home and deliver a package and so on and so forth. We need to vet these people before I let them in their home. But I think what, what people lost sight of with Key is that any service provider that Amazon extends that identification technology to can enter the home. So to the extent you have trusted people that maybe they service the lawn, maybe they, they you have a handyman who regularly does small home projects for you. Maybe there's a local electrician that comes into your home when, you know, in certain. So point being that there are, are, are known service providers. So you don't have any problem letting them, to, letting them into your home. The, the, the biggest hurdle, trust. You've established trust with these service providers in the past. So that's a non-issue. So in those cases where trust is a non-issue, the issue then is how do I let them into my home? Well, Amazon has rolled out that technology. So I think maybe Amazon could have highlighted that element a little bit more when they rolled out Key and said, hey, this isn't just for some random uh, uh, UPS driver, FedEx driver to be able to drop a package off into your home. You know, we, we, we could roll out this technology to anybody, right? And anybody you trust could let a family member, right? Anybody. There's a, there's a multitude of use cases. So I, I, I think Amazon has done a better job than Google of, of extending 
their in-home service capability to a, a, a broader, more diverse uh, portfolio of services. And at the end of the day, that's who's going to win. It's going to be the vendor. And by vendor, I'm talking about Amazon, Google, Apple. W which of those companies do a better job of eliminating friction such that they make it easy for third-party providers to partner with them, them being Amazon, Google, Apple? And whoever does the best job, because the, the technology hurdle has been overcome. You know, Amazon and Google's technology, I think, is better than Apple's. But even Apple's kind of, you know, it, it, it works. But the technology hurdle has been overcome. Now it's more of a function of how do we, you know, get more people to participate on our platform? How do we remove friction? How do we make it easy? How do we make people aware? You know, how do we get people to, to onboard? And by people, I'm talking about the third parties. So it's a function of winning this game is a function of getting into the home, getting your uh, Echo portfolio or Google Home portfolio products into the home. That's one. And then the other you know, element of the equation to making it a successful uh, long-term business for decades to come is how do we then you know, attach third-party relationships to that in-home platform? That's going to be key. And then the last thing I came across was, and it, you, you take these studies with a grain of salt, because typically when the industry guys have projections about adoption and adoption rates and growth curves and things like this, same with the uh, management consultancies. People tend to take, uh, these these firms, these companies tend to take a, a, a rosier picture. And what they do is, you know, they tend to say, well, in, you know, three, three to five years, we'll have a, a moderate ramp in usage. And seven to 10 years, we'll have this explosion in the growth curve. It, it really works that way. What they're saying is, we don't know what the F is going to happen. And here's something that, uh, you know, it's sort of plausible deniability. We, we, could, we, could, put, we could push off... Uh, our projections far enough into the future when the future actually gets here nobody's going to remember our study and in the meantime we can charge you know a thousand bucks per report or uh, you know sell an engagement on top of the report this type of thing so it's a sales pitch but there's probably some truth in the numbers so let me just give you the numbers and then take them with a grain of salt this one was from cap gemini and what the guys at cap were talking about was amongst customers who uh, who have a, a smart speaker system so the, the, the Cap Gems prediction is today those that have smart speakers are uh, approximately 3% of their total expenses are from transactions purchased through the smart speaker system. So 3% of today's transactions purchased through smart speakers if you're a smart speaker owner, obviously. Uh, and then the, the projection is that in three years, in three years' time, those uh, smart speaker owners will see their spend increase from 3% to 18%. Could be interesting. I haven't seen the absolute dollar figures for e-commerce through smart speakers or voice assistants. So I'm not sure what that 3% is. But if you're talking about a, a six-fold increase in spend over the next three years, that's interesting. And what, what, what's going to be more interesting is what does that then mean for Apple and Google in terms of retail sales? So for example... If you're going to take spend from 3% of your spend to 18% of your spend, it's going to now move through a voice assistant, an AI-driven voice assistant. What percentage of that increase is new spend? Because if it's new spend, it's going to be new revenue to Amazon, Google, uh, and Apple, right? Whoever you order the, the thing through, that's going to be new. So in other words, what, what I don't know is to the extent that any of these growth projections 
around e-commerce spend through smart speakers. I'm not assuming, I, I'm not aware of what the assumptions are as far as the rate at which spend, total spend will increase as a result of smart speakers. Do you see what I mean? So in other words, are smart speakers going to help increase the size of the total spend pie? So I'll give you a real life example, okay? Let's say today you're spending $100 in, in uh, e-commerce, I mean, in e-commerce purchases over the course of a year, and let's say that that that's that's three percent. Now, you know, per this Cap Gem study, you're going to experience a six-fold increase in what you you spend through the uh, in terms of your your total spend through the smart speakers. So, if you go from three percent equals a hundred dollars, and six-folds increase, eighteen percent equals six hundred dollars. Were you already spending that six hundred dollars? whether it be through you know, a, an online purchase or an in-store purchase, or is a portion in that increase from 3 to 18% is a portion of that new spend. In other words, because the smart speaker, it's, it's easy to order through, it's easy to make purchases through, are you making more purchases? So if total spend in your household is 50 grand in one year, is, is total spend the next year 55 grand because, hey, I'm spending an extra 5K because this in-home system, it's, it's easy as heck to, to order. So now I'm spending more of my uh, my net income. My my suspicion is yes for sure. I just don't know if you know smart speakers drive a a one percent spend, a one percent uh, incremental spend, a five percent incremental spend. But I, I I think the smart speakers are definitely going to prime the pump and give people another reason to pull out their credit card. Although they don't have to pull it out now because it's all you know it's preloaded. I think because they, 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 the smart speakers remove friction from the process that for sure you're going to see people spend more of their net income in percentage terms. So I think this bodes well for uh, all the smart speaker owners. And then particularly if, if uh, those purchases are going to be under your umbrella. So in the case of Amazon, you know, not only are they ordering through you, but they're, you know, the products and services are largely going to be yours. Whereas if it's Google, for example, uh, the products and services are your partners, you know, through Google Express, you know, Google partners with um, with Walmart, Costco, Target, a handful of others. So that's all for now. I'll see everybody next time. Mm-hmm.